Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon Muñiz. All right. So welcome back to part two of the Psych Disorders Within 7A. Um, we, For those of you who did not read the title, we are going through the AMC Psych Outline. Um, we are talking about personality disorders. We talked, we gave you a bit of an introduction last time, and we talked about some of the anxiety disorders. Uh, today, we are going to be uh, continuing that conversation, not with anxiety disorders, but with um, some others. And we're really excited. This is the this is the stuff that we enjoy geeking out about, um, in part because you're studying for the MCAT, right? So we like geeking out about MCAT-related things. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're going to be working with in the future, even if not directly. So even if you're not interested in psych, even if you're not interested um, in or psychiatry or, or psychology as uh, professions, right, within the medical field, you will still be working with patients who may have some of these um, mental health disorders. You yourself may have um, some of these diagnoses. You might know people with these diagnoses. So this is something that we're excited to talk about. Yeah, there's will- some there's some very interesting disorders in today's session. Some of my like like top five most interesting diseases and disorders. So um, I'm excited about it because there's some that are just so strange. So the first one we'll be starting off with is not strange. Um, but it's probably one that a lot of people know about, but maybe not in its full, its full glory, so to speak, um, <laughs> in, in its full intensity. There we go. Right. Um, so the, the first kind of set of, um, disorders that we're going to be talking about today are the trauma and stressor related disorders. Now there it's not just one, right? So the, the name you're probably thinking of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, right? So this is the one that of this category, you are most likely to see on testing. There is another called acute stress disorder that when you're unlikely to see on test day, I'll talk about the, the difference between the two, but we're just going to dive right into PTSD. So post-traumatic stress disorder. So just again, we, whenever we can, we'll try and throw some, some prevalence and rates at you. So that way you have an understanding of how, um, prevalent it might be. Um, So again, you don't need to know the exact numbers. PTSD lifetime risk is about 10%, 9%, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But right. That's a, that's a lifetime risk. It's still actually pretty common if you think about it compared to some of the other disorders. So it's not going to be as common as depression, right. But it's going to be more common than schizophrenia. And if you think about why that might be the case, right. PTSD and stressor related disorders, are not just, they're not just going to fit like under the biomedical. They're also, there's a really big biopsychosocial component, right? Because they're based off of having witnessed or experienced a traumatic event. Now, the reason I said that a lot of people may only know part of the story with PTSD is that people really think, okay, PTSD, it's a veteran coming back from war, right? And they are the ones who are going to experience and have PTSD. And then people just stop there a lot of times. What they don't realize is that It's not just war trauma that can cause PTSD. So PTSD can come from directly experiencing a trauma. It can come from directly witnessing a trauma. There's also something called secondary uh, or secondhand trauma, which is really interesting. It's um, having like learning about it uh, with respect to someone who's like close to you. Um, So trauma has like these, if you think about like just finger projections, and I don't know why I'm thinking of dendrites right now. Yeah. (laughs) Throwing some some bio bio in there, 
But if you think about it, right, there's so many different ways that people can experience trauma. What might be traumatic and a traumatic experience to one person may not be traumatic to another person. And so there's a lot of nuance in terms of who might develop it and what experiences might develop it uh, or might uh, promote the development of PTSD. Now, something that's really important to note is that not everyone who experiences a traumatic event will develop PTSD and not everyone, um, not every experience will produce it, right? So there's like not everyone who experiences this type of trauma will experience it and not everyone who experiences like, you know, someone might experience different types of traumas and then only one results in PTSD, for example, or like the, the cumulative effect of them. Um, so maybe think, okay, so as I like, you've, <laughs> you're telling us a little bit about this, but like, what, what, what is it? Right. right? Um, so PTSD is diagnosed based off of, so first criteria, it's gotta be longer than a month. You heard us talk about the DSM having a timeline kind of situation there. In this case, it's used more to differentiate between acute stress disorder and PTSD, basically long period of time, right? This is not something that a week after, you know, you're having these symptoms, then it goes away. Um, so some of the symptoms that people might be having are intrusive symptoms. So they might have memories of the traumatic event coming in and they, it's not something that they're choosing to think about. It's just, they can't get it out of their head. Kind of like um, a flashback is how I, a lot of people re reference that is like, you're experiencing the event again, but really you're just remembering it. Yeah. And so there's also, they might experience that in terms of their dreams. So having nightmares, right? Um, so nightmares are, are a really big component. They might have, and this is different from dissociative disorders, but they might have dissociative symptoms, right? So a lot of people talk about having like, um, like being able to like see themselves from, from a distance. Um, also just like intense physical responses. So you mentioned flashbacks, right? It's not just the mental component, it can also be a physical component. The person might physically feel like they are back in that traumatic experience. Um, so not only are they having these symptoms, but now remember we talked about action changing and behavior changing too. Um, so they're going to start avoiding these thoughts, these memories, um, anything that might cue the experience, right? So for example, if someone had a really traumatic event, right? Um, when they were out with friends at a particular part of town, they might not go back to that part of town because they know that that part of town is going to bring up those experiences, those thoughts, those feelings. Um, so there's all of this, right? And then there's also the, the negative effects on, on cognition, right? On mood, on thinking. Um, so they might forget pieces of the trauma or their experience, you know, around that time of their life, which is really powerful. So by now you're probably thinking, okay, so they're, you know, they're changing their behavior. They may not be going out to certain parts. You know, they're having these really distressing physical symptoms. Um, they might have amnesia. Like, okay, well, this is starting to sound like a lot of other disorders. Like what's, what's the difference here, right? It's this collection. It's mm -hmm. this collection of symptoms surrounding a traumatic event that is what makes PTSD what it is. Yeah. There's some, some really interesting, just kind of examples of that. Like, you know, there, there's triggers, things that will remind you of your event. So if, well, most of the time when people think PTSD, they think war and things like that. Like, let's say you were in a traumatic scenario, like a firefight in Kabul or something, and then you come back home. 
like you might be triggered by just loud noises. Like it sounds like bombs going off, like um, fireworks or thunder or things like that. And like having that immediately makes you kind of like relive this experience and go into like your sympathetic nervous system activates. You go into fight or flight. You're, you kind of shut down your thinking and you're ready to fight. Um, or, or even something just like, uh, like a lot of times people aren't aware of what their triggers are. Um, and so there's been some interesting cases of like ceiling fans reminding people of helicopters um, and just like the fan blades kind of going around would like trigger people. And sometimes people aren't aware that that's a trigger. Um, and so just kind of like being aware and like, you might have people like, as you mentioned, who are like sleeping. And so you might be having one of those things. And all of a sudden you're like punching the person in bed next to you, um, because your body is, is reliving this experience that you're, you're, you've gone through. Um, I think it's really important to mention though, that it's not just like war. Um, as you mentioned, it's, it's like, it can be like, you know, secondhand, like somebody else went through this. And so I'm like them talking to me about it has made me like experience it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, or it could be like you were in a car wreck. It all, it doesn't even have to be a violent thing, like any traumatic experience. And that could be like for a kid, like finding out that their parents are getting divorced or like, even if you're an adult and you find out your parents are getting divorced, that might be traumatic to you. It might like completely change the way you see the world. And so you could, you could get diagnosed with PTSD because your parents are getting divorced. Like it doesn't have to be like a bomb went off and I lost my leg. Like it, it could be like something else. And as you mentioned, like you could have a scenario, like a soldier that goes to war, comes back, doesn't have PTSD and then their dog dies and they have PTSD from that. Um, and so like, it's, it's kind of a, a strange thing that like one thing won't cause PTSD for everyone. And one person could have PTSD from, from any trauma that they go through, but you're also talking about prevalence and just, like, like this, this is, these are always stimulated by some traumatic experience and like life is just a series of traumatic experiences. <laughs> and so that's why this is so prevalent is because I don't think that there's anyone who can go their entire life with ever, without ever being in a traumatic experience, right? Like you can't live 80 years and never be like, oh, everything went perfectly to plan. No problems ever. Um, yeah. if that is you, congrats, you won the lottery. Um, <laughs> yeah. And even folks who don't develop like full-blown post-traumatic stress disorder, right? I, I mentioned offhandedly acute <clears throat> stress disorder. Um, so that's if it's shorter term, right? So they can have, they they will have often a lot of overlapping symptoms with PTSD. It's just shorter term. And so, you know, we don't know, you know, we know that there may be bio, that they probably are biological mechanisms for why some people may develop it or why some, you know, experiences might um, promote the development of PTSD in one person, um, but others, uh, other experiences won't in that same person. Um, we don't know all of, you know, what's going on. Right. Um, and so that's like, that's part of the, the beauty and the pain of psychiatry. Um, but it's, you know, you're, you're not going to see necessarily acute stress disorder on the MCAT. You are more likely to see PTSD. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like it's, you know, people there, life, life really is a lot of traumatic experiences. Uh -huh. So folks might, you know, develop acute stress disorder, but not PTSD. It resolves. Um, and also PTSD can resolve too. So that's actually something that I think not a lot of people realize. Um, so it's just worth mentioning, but if I, you know, thinking back to what we said last time, thinking about something that different that you can think about for each of these disorders that can help you on test day for PTSD, I'm thinking trauma, hypervigilance, intense experiences, right? Like following intense symptoms. And chances are, if you could name a really intense symptom, it might be something that's related to PTSD. Yeah. 
So the the next uh, like topic in here is the obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, this is another one of those that like has like picked up meaning and like the the everyday world. And a lot of people really misuse OCD and like they don't understand what OCD actually is. Like you'll have um, you'll have somebody say like, oh, you know, I like to keep my house clean. I'm OCD. And I'm like, nah, that doesn't mean you're OCD, like maybe OCPD, which we'll talk about when we talk about personality disorders, but um, that's not what OCD is. So OCD, like they haven't changed the name in the DSM-5, even though like it's picked up some meaning in the regular population. And normally when that happens, they'll like rename it so that it like makes sense and people don't get confused. But the name is just so good. Um, Like it's hard to find a better name. Like obsessive compulsive disorder is is defined by two parts, obsessions and compulsions. And like, so like, that's like the perfect name for it. Um, so as a way to talk about this, I actually um, had somebody I went to med school with. And I remember talking to this, this, um, this person. And it was like, it was like a food truck festival where there were like a bunch of barbecue food trucks traveling across the, the U S and I'm like, let's go um, to like the barbecue food truck festival when we were going to go after class. And so I, I talked to this um, this guy who's a friend, I'm like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to go to this? He's like, uh, sorry, I can't. It's Tuesday. It's I got to do laundry. And I'm like, okay. Like, are you out of clothes? And he's like, no, no, it's just, you know, Tuesday's laundry day. I'm like, okay. And like, in my mind, I'm like, he just doesn't want to go. That's fine. Like, well, I would someone rather do laundry. Like I will specifically, <laughs> like, I will not do laundry until I'm out of clothes. Sometimes I will go buy clothes to avoid doing laundry. Um, right. And so like, this didn't make sense to me at all. But then he came back later and he's like, all right. So, so I um, like, but I know you wanted to go at like three 30, but I can, instead of having my lunch, I could go home and like put in a load of laundry and then come back and we could do class until three. And then I could go home and finish laundry. I could probably be done by five if you wanted to go at five. And I'm like, okay, something changed in my perspective here. He wants to go, but he can't because today's Tuesday and Tuesday's laundry day. And so his brain has this obsession, this thing that it gets caught on. And so obsessions are, are um, thoughts that stay, that stick with you repetitive that you can't get rid of kind of like a song stuck in your head. Um, and so in his head, it's like, it's Tuesday, which is the day I do laundry. So I have to do laundry because it's Tuesday because Tuesday is the day of the laundry and it's after Monday and yesterday was Monday. So today's Tuesday. So I have to do laundry today because it's Tuesday and Tuesday's laundry day and laundry is done on Tuesdays, which is today. And like his brain's caught on this thing. And so that's the obsession part where your, your brain is, is caught on this one idea and the compulsion is what you have to do to release that. And so for him, it was just doing laundry. Like once he did laundry, that that obsessive thought released and like he could go about his normal day. Now, um, that is like a relatively minor case compared to some people with OCD, um, like people who like the, they, they have to knock on a door three times. I think Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory, like there's, there's, there's definitely some OCD there. Like if you don't let him knock the three times, his brain's caught on it. And like, he can't talk about other things. He can't do anything until he gets that third knock in because his compulsion is three knocks to deal with like the obsession of like going through a door and like, you know, visiting somebody. Um, and so I think that that's really important and you have to have both of them. Um, if you just have compulsions, you just have obsessions. It's neither of those is OCD. You got to have both the, the cognitive brain caught on an idea and the compulsion to release that. That is what OCD is. 
Yeah. And thinking, you know, right, we we're trying to bring this back to the MCAT as much as possible, as much as we love talking about, you know, its application in, in the broader world. Um, so that's a really good point, right? You you have to have obsessions, thoughts, cognitive and compulsions, behavior. And so you can think about all the other times that in psychology, right, in the psych social section, you've seen cognition and behavior paired together. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that is prime ground for the MCAT to relate to topics um, and then test you on both, right? So this is part of why we we go through these so that you can have that reference in your mind, but always recognize, and I think we said this even at the very beginning of, of our podcast series, um, the MCAT will often make connections between ideas and you have to be able to differentiate between ideas as well as see that there are commonalities, um, which is why we always try and do these um, comparisons and, and contrasts when whenever possible, or we try and let you know, okay, this might be where you get stuck. Um, mm-hmm. This is how you can you know move past that. Um, So then thinking about kind of another place where students might get stuck. So uh, another type of uh, uh, psych disorders is the somatic somatic symptom and related disorders. So there are two types of disorders in this category that may be confusing at first glance. And so that's the somatic symptom disorder, which is where the name of this um, category type comes from. And then there's illness anxiety disorder. So this is the one that Phil mentioned was previously called like the the hypochondriacs, right? So in somatic symptom disorder, you might also see somatoform disorder as as another name for it. You have a physical symptom, you have a, a somatic symptom and you are stuck on it, right? And you are really concerned about that symptom and what it might mean. So it's, for example, if I have developed, you know, nausea and I'm saying, okay, like the nausea meant and this is where I want to be careful because this is a rational thought. What's coming next mm-hmm. out of my mouth? It might be related to COVID, right? Uh-huh. In this pandemic, that is a very serious possibility. Yeah. Um, but then I might go and say, okay, but it might also mean that I have, you know, a tumor in my stomach. It might also mean I have this, 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 right? So it is the symptom that is central to my concern. A, a real symptom. Yes, exactly. Exists. It is. It is a real symptom, right? It is, there is something that can be, you know, explained, measured, et cetera. Um, Then there's illness anxiety disorder. It's not that I have a specific symptom that I'm concerned about, you know, developing all these disorders regarding that symptom. It's that I'm concerned about developing a disorder, an illness, right? And so in this case, I might be constantly on the lookout for, you know, oh, well, if I have this new symptom, like, you know, it might be this and then, oh, but is this really a symptom? I don't actually know. Um, Okay. Well, you know, I I don't want to go there because I'm concerned that that might increase my chances of developing whatever, right? So in one, the physical, like the real symptom is my source of very broad concern regarding developing illness. In the other, it's, I'm very concerned about developing an illness, right? And that's what's going to preoccupy my mind. Um, so subtle difference, important difference, somatoform, symptom, somatic symptom, you have the symptom, illness, anxiety disorder, anxiety about developing an illness. Right, right. I actually had a patient who came in um, that uh, like fell like at a bus stop and hurt hurt their knee. And they came in to the, um, into the clinic and they're like, like my knee really hurts. And like, so we did like x-rays, um, and like, everything was fine. It was like a little swollen, um, because they fell and I'm like, all right, well, nothing, nothing really wrong, you know, take some, a leave, um, or like naproxen or Tylenol or, you know, something, um, just an NSAID. 
Um, and they're like, okay. And they, they came back the next day, like my knee really hurts. And I'm like, uh, uh, I know <laughs> you fell, you hurt your knee. And I'm like, so we, we like redid an x-ray just to be sure nothing, nothing was like, like we need surgery or anything like that. It was just like a sprain. Um, and like the patient was really complaining about the pain. And I'm like, well, I mean, we could give you like morphine or something like that, being aware that this is something that, you know, could it's, I, at first I'm like, maybe this is just drug seeking behavior. Um, but the, the patient was like, no, like, well, I, no, I, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, I don't want to do things like that. My knee just really hurts. That patient came back three times, um, every time, like my knee hurts. And I'm like, I know <laughs> you fell, your knee's going to hurt. Like you sprained your, sprained your knee, your, your, everything's okay. Um, and so this kind of like caught on a symptom and thinking that it must mean something. Um, and so there's a real symptom there that, you know, kind of, uh, t- tying that to something else. Also, I just want to side note, my brain went to a completely different place when you said like, I was feeling nausea and I'm like, I know where everyone's going with this. I'm like, all right, young female presents with nausea <laughs> my, where my mind went was not where yours went. Um, like any female with nausea pregnancy. Um, but oh, you goodness. know more than I do, um, in that realm. So sorry. The, the reason I mentioned, um, COVID is because that's like a rational concern, right? right yeah. So the idea with, uh, with somatic symptoms, somatoform, um, disorder is that it's like disproportionate, right? So the right. first part, like saying, oh, you know, it might be COVID or, or even it might be pregnancy, right. Is a rational response. But if I get stuck on that and then I'm thinking, oh, it must mean that I like have a tumor in my stomach, right. like stomach cancer like or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for that, sure. That's a very good point. I did not think yeah, of that at all. You're just like, you're like, I know where you're going with this. I'm like, yeah. And then you said COVID. I'm like, nope. <laughs> um, but the, the other thing, the illness, anxiety disorder, that would be like a patient who comes in, who's like, I don't have any symptoms, but I am sure that I have cancer. Right. Like that. And like very often these patients keep coming back with like different illnesses that they think they have, but they don't really have any of the symptoms. And like I said, that's hypochondriac, which is what it used to be called. And I feel like most people are familiar with that. But I find that very often students get confused between the somatic symptom and the conversion disorders, which is a conversion disorders are another um, family underneath the somatic symptom, like head. Um, So conversion disorders are when you convert a psychological trauma to a physical symptom. So you are creating a symptom that is actually like psychological in origin. Um, these are pretty much always neurological based. Um, there are some very interesting cases. I, I don't want to say there's, there's one that's like kind of funny, but like, I feel like you should never laugh at illnesses. Um, but like a, a patient who saw their parents having sex and then went blind afterwards, like actually like you could like throw a baseball at them and they wouldn't see it and it would like hit them. Um, which you also shouldn't do as, as a physician, don't throw baseballs at blind patients. Um, but this, this patient just went like their eyes just shut down and it's a way for their brain to protect themselves and deal with like, Oh, like there's something going on here. Um, and so this, it's a psychological issue. Like there's nothing wrong with their eyes. It's just the brain is like shutting down regions of the brain to try to deal with this issue, um, and like deal with this like traumatic event. Um, there's also like, I I remember uh, hearing about a case of a man who was in a car wreck, um, and his fiance died, um, in the car wreck as well as some people in the other car. And afterwards he was like walking with a limp because his like leg wouldn't work properly. Like the motor and his leg, but like 
doing all the like experiments and like looking at the, the nervous pathways, like everything was fine. It was just a conversion disorder. Like the guilt of the thing like manifested itself as like my leg doesn't work properly or my I'm blind or something like that. Um, super interesting because the problem is psychological in origin, but it's being converted to a physical measurable symptom, which is it's kind of the opposite of the somatic symptom disorder where the somatic symptom, there is a symptom. There's not like, and it's real, but like people think it's something bigger than that or something else with conversion disorder. No, there's something else that's causing the symptom, but it, the thing causing it is all psychological. And just a, another thought that kind of came to mind, right? There, there will be instances where someone has a symptom that isn't, um, like you were saying, isn't, uh, caused by a, like a physical or known biological cause. Right. So that may be because it's, you know, related to conversion disorder. It may be like, we don't really know. Um, in that case, that's like a diagnosis of exclusion. Right. So a lot of the other disorders that we've talked about, you kind of screen into them. Right. Um, and there are also some that you will screen you know, you will screen into by screening out of others. everything else. Right. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's no test for conversion disorder. There's a test for everything else. And if everything else doesn't work, then I guess it's psychological. Um, yeah, exactly. So you would still work up the patient who, you know, the, the child who came in no longer being able to see, you would still do a full workup right. on them. Right. Um, so like, these are just kind of things that are worth kind of thinking again, you're hearing me say that a lot recently. I'm going to yeah. have to find a new, <laughs> I might just have to make my catchphrase. Um, but you know, that you, you have, you have, it, it's also important. I, I want to mention this, um, before I forget, like we're, we're having these conversations and we're, we're keeping them light, um, because, you know, for the most part, because like, we want to make sure that you can stay engaged and whatnot. Please know that there are scenarios where you should not be like joking about a, you know, a disorder right. with with like a patient. Right. Because that's you, oh, you never absolutely. want to disrespect the patient. We're having these conversations and we're like keeping light of it because, you know, it's very general. It's not specific to a person, but also um, we're like we're we're staying engaged. So I just want folks to be uh, cognizant of that. Um yeah. yeah I'll admit I have some ulterior motives when I like give these examples is because I know that that example will stick with you. Um, and that's, that's why I do these. And so like, you know, the, like the idea of like, I saw my parents having sex and now my eyes don't work like that, that like in, in like reality, very serious, but in kind of like a, a big picture thing, like, ah, it's kind of a, like a, a strange thing kind of happening. Um, so I don't like it, with, with a patient, like that's a very, um, serious thing for sure. But like, as an example, it's just kind of an interesting thing. So the, thank you for couching that. Like, I don't want to come across as like callous and, and awful, but I also want to like teach. And so like, whatever I can do to make students remember stuff best for long-term is how I want to do it. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a dirty mnemonics that people used to study in yeah. the MCAT, right? It's like, you're not, you're not a bad person because you use a dirty mnemonic to remember whatever you, you remembered. Right. But it's, it's what sticks. Yeah. Um, if, if dirty mnemonics was meant you were a bad person, then every doctor is probably a bad person, <laughs> um, but they don't share the dirty mnemonics with the patients. <laughs> right? Like, how do I know which bone in your hand is, is injured? Well, I have this mnemonic, like, no. Um, <laughs> so there is one more disorder under these somatic symptom disorders There's and related. So there's somatic symptom disorder, sometimes called somatoform. There's illness anxiety, which used to be called hypochondriac. There's conversion disorder. And the last one is factitious disorder. This one is super interesting. This is, this is the one that I was talking about at the very beginning of like, this is in my like top five most interesting disorders. Um, 
So people with factitious disorder, um, this also used to be called something else. Um, Munchausen is what this used to be called. You may be familiar with Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy. But what factitious disorder is, is people will lie in order to be perceived as being sick. So these people are, are actually don't have something wrong with them, but they will, they want to be, they want people to treat them like they're sick. And sometimes it's so severe that people will do things to themselves to make themselves sick. Like they will like drink bleach or like, you know, cut their leg or like, like not like as like a, you know, like cutting is like a anxiety stress thing, but like, you know, like I sawed my leg off and like, ah, now I'm really sick and you guys should take care of me. Um, uh, th- that sounds kind of strange, but like very often these are rooted in people who were sick at some point in their life and they felt like that's the only time somebody took care of them, right? Like as a child or something, like my parents were neglectful and the one time I was sick, that's when people actually cared about me, the nurses and everything. Um, and so there's something kind of going on there, but very often these people will lie to be perceived um, as sick because they want to be can like put in the sick role. I want to be clear. This isn't people who lie and say, I have cancer and then set up a GoFundMe. Like that's greed, um, which is separate yeah. from, um, from the, the factitious disorder. There are some really interesting cases. There was a woman um, in Arizona who was a nurse and she went to a doctor, like an oncologist and was like, listen, um, I live in New York. I just like got diagnosed with cancer. I want to move back to be with my family in Arizona. Here's all my stuff and my reports and like everything from the doctor. And because this woman was a nurse, she was able to fake all of that. And so this woman actually got chemotherapy and was like going through this. And she was like really sick, um, like from the, the chemo and like, you know, paid a lot of money. And like, they like, so this isn't something that like, I think a lot of people think like, oh, just like lying over, like, no, this person wants to be sick or wants to be seen as sick um, because of, you know, they want to feel like people, people care about them. Um, There's one other case. So I I talked about like Munchausen. There's also Munchausen by proxy, which is once again, that's what it used to be called. So you could also do this not just for yourself, but for like somebody else. One of the most famous cases of this um, is actually from here in Missouri. Um, There was a woman, uh, Gypsy Rose, Blanchard. Um, this is like a really famous case. Um, and, uh, there was a mother who had a daughter and she, the, the mother like sedated the daughter. And like, every time they went to the doctor, the, like the mother convinced the doctors that she was developmentally disabled, um, when she wasn't because the daughter was, was sedated and like drooling and like out of it and like, couldn't, couldn't, um, interact and like with like language and things like that. Um, and so the mother kept this daughter uh, sedated, got her diagnosed with all sorts of things, including, I think, leukemia at one point. And so the daughter went through chemotherapy because the mother was somehow able to convince the doctors that she had leukemia. And so like this, this girl's whole life, she was sick and like from like the medications that her mom was giving her and like the therapies and she was like wheelchair bound and she was sedated a lot. And that's, that is factitiousness by proxy where the mother didn't want people to think she was sick. They wanted people to think her daughter was sick. Um, Very famous case because it ended up um, like the daughter eventually grew up, became a teenager, 
figured it out and um, like killed the mother. And so now um, the daughter is in prison um, because for murder. Um, but it's a like a super interesting like case, like criminally and medically kind of going on there. And that's, um, you know, like one of probably it's probably the most famous case of uh, factitious disorder um, that exists as far as I know. I think there was even like a Netflix movie about it. Back yeah, when day. you said the name, the name rung a bell, um, mm-hmm. not the specifics of the story, but definitely the name. Um, so I have I have two thoughts but to respond with very quickly. So the first is um, if folks have ever watched TV shows related to medicine, so House mm-hmm. or oh, uh, yes. Chicago Med. So there, there are episodes um, that show this. And I will say, I, you know, sometimes I question the whether they have someone, you know, who is like an MD or something similar with them when they're writing these things, just because I don't know the accuracy of everything they demonstrate, but they do have, you know, some of these, um, like, like Munchausen's by proxy, uh, fictitious words, fictitious disorder by proxy, um, uh, like shown in there. And I think the second thing is like on a slightly more serious note, um, because you mentioned, you mentioned children, and you mentioned um, convincing like the doctors that her daughter was deve- developmentally disabled. So there are certain populations of patients that we have to make sure that we are extra um, extra aware that we're we're doing our best with. Right? You always want to do your best with patients in general. Right? You always want to give your best to a patient because they're trusting you with their life, with their health. You know, with mm-hmm. with who they are as a person. Um, in the same way that we, you know, pay extra close attention to elderly and look for things like elderly abuse um, with, you know, pregnant, um, pregnant people, um, children, right? But also individuals with developmental disorders or with um, disabilities in general, with chronic illness, right? Making sure that you still engage the patient, making sure that you're still, you know, trying to communicate, even for example, even if a patient is nonverbal, right? There, there are nonverbal ways of communicating, making sure that you're still trying to engage them. Um, so the reason that that came to mind is, right, you know, as the child got older, that might have been part of, you know, people were engaging with, with her, right? And mm-hmm. that might have been where some of that comes out of, Um so just being cognizant that as you go into medicine, right, we've we've said all of these things, we've given you some of these disorders. Yes, you're going to be working with patients that have these, um, making sure that you're, you know, conscious and, and just a good person to them and engaging them as much as possible, just but also taking that to um, other at-risk groups. Um, so like we said, like, you know, some of them just like elderly, pregnant people, children develop, you know, like disabled um, LGBT member, like community, um, LGBT community. Um, so like, there are groups that have historically been marginalized and you know treated poorly. This is your opportunity to make a difference and change the way that medicine approaches a lot of these topics, but also in the case of this part of the psych outline, uh, mental health um, and psych disorders. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna continue on with some more psych disorders. Like seven A is just so long. I know. I think this is the fourth episode in this section and there's going to be probably at least one maybe two more um but these psych disorders are super interesting like you need to know these for the mcat you're going to need to know it for medical school and so like this is the sort of thing you can kind of look at it like i'm i'm actually this is something i i I need to know um and so not only that it's kind of interesting because there's some very strange things as we pointed out today like conversion disorder somatic symptom um, uh, basically all the somatic symptom related disorders are super interesting, including the factitious disorder. Um, but you can also, you know, do what you can to help, um, change the perception of things like OCD. Um, cause a lot of times people will joke around with OCD and it's not 
like like it's people misunderstand um, what OCD actually is, um, and like being aware of these things in the media as well. You mentioned House, um, and you were talking about like the the factitious disorder for Munchausens. Um, so I was thinking of conversion disorder because at one point, like House, like convinces himself that his leg damage was like all in his head, and then he's like, all of a sudden, he doesn't have a limp and he can run for miles. And so, like, I think they were trying to say, like, oh, it was a conversion disorder, and then like later on, they're like, oh, turns out, no, there actually is something wrong with his leg. And I'm like, well, then how did he run? Like, what 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 happened there? Um, and so you have to be kind of aware that sometimes, um, you know, in the the uh, in the pursuit of trying to make something interesting, um, they bend the truth a little bit. Um, and, and that's something you need to be aware of. Yeah. And it's interesting because I hadn't thought about like house himself. I was just thinking about the general episodes, mm -hmm. but also some, a quick note to y'all that are, if you made it this far, um, yeah. if you find these conversations interesting, right. The psych disorders, feel free to share this with other people in your life. Even if they're not studying for the MCAT, we find these topics interesting aside from the MCAT. If some people in your, in your life might be interested by them, feel free to, to share this video with them too. Yeah. That's like, also, if you like have seen a bad depiction of of one of these psych disorders in TV, like just from house, like we came up with like a couple um, today, but like, I'm sure that, you know, all the other ones, all the other ones have them except for scrubs because scrubs is the best. Um, I think it was actually rated as the most accurate of all of the, the medical dramas um, because most of the weird stuff is happening in his head. And like the actual patient care is like actually makes sense. Um, but yeah, we're going to continue with this, talk about more psych disorders and we will see you next time.